Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. guys and welcome to episode number 35 of Tell Me Your Tales. My name is Brady Trelfall. What I do on this podcast is I chat with people that I find interesting and inspiring and wise and successful in one way or another. And today's guest, Dave Ridley, is no exception. Dave has recently been crowned the Oceana Marathon Champion when he won that category up at the Gold Coast Marathon maybe three weeks ago in a time of 2.29.59 seconds, so just dipped under the 2 hours and 25 minute barrier. Um, I didn't know Dave before the Gold Coast, hadn't really been around the Melbourne running scene for quite some time, and yeah, come across him up at the Gold Coast when he said he'd been listening to some of the Road to Berlin podcast series, and I thought he'd be a great guest to get on the show. He's involved with the Nike kind of run club stuff in Melbourne, so I found that was uh, quite interesting, and he's got quite a big background being involved with a whole stack of different marathons he's run quite a few marathons um, for someone so young so had a good chat with Dave and it probably gives a bit of a testimony to just the way conversation can develop through the podcast as I said I'd probably spoken five words to Dave before this episode but he was one of those guys that I could easily just start talking to about running and just have a really rich conversation with and yeah kind of look forward to catching up with him in person because I think um, he was just so easy to talk to and especially around running stuff that I could talk to him all day. I hope you enjoyed this one. Thanks to the people who have been giving the show a review. I think we're nearly up to 30 reviews on iTunes now. Make sure you hit subscribe if you like the content. And as I said, I hope uh, this show brings you some value and you enjoyed it as much as I did recording it. Thanks, guys. Hey man, you there? Yep. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, perfect. Perfect. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Thanks for giving up some time to do this this afternoon, mate. Or tonight. Oh, good. Yeah. No, sorry. It's um so late, man. Nah, don't stress at all. I'm on school holidays, so I feel like I'm um, not doing much at the moment anyway. So life's pretty good. 
Flat, mate. How long you got off? Uh, two weeks, which is good. So oh. uh, last day officially tomorrow, though. So back on the grind on Monday, which would be, um, yeah, a bit tough. But once we get there, it's kind of 10 weeks term and then off to Berlin. So I've got a bit of light at the end of the tunnel, which is good. You've timed that well. Yeah, I have timed it well, kind of. I like that was one reason I chose Berlin at the end of the end of the winter and end of the spring or start of the spring and yeah it's just a yeah. good, good time to have a marathon on the horizon a bit yeah no doubt and um i mean do you do you go to town on those two weeks like when the two week school holidays rolls around you must just line up sessions and go right it's time to roll well i have in the past but i um i've had a few issues with overtraining. so like summer yeah, okay. holidays has been a perfect example where i just bunker down and bang out 180k week after week for six weeks and then i end up getting yeah, yeah just sick and kind of run down and stuff so i'm a bit smarter now that i don't just smash myself um, <laughs> like i used to but yeah definitely you can and you feel guilty because you're kind of not going to work so you're like oh well yeah, like, I'll what take am i gonna extra, do yeah I've got all this time. I'm just going to train harder. And then you find yourself like tacking like just three k's on the end of a warm down. So your warm down's yeah. like eight k, yeah. and you just got yeah. huge mileage for the week. And yeah, next thing you start doing triple days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we go to the gym or do some course yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's very dangerous. Full on. Rightio, Dave Ridley. Welcome to Tell Me Your Tales podcast. Thank you very much. Good I, to be here. I think first New Zealander we've actually had on the show. <laughs> oh, good, good. Um, Good to hear your podcast, you know, reaching across the ditch, even though I'm a, obviously a Kiwi living in Australia. Yeah, it's all about the uh, vocal tones, though, so it's good to uh, tick that off the box. <laughs> I have to let the boys know back home. <laughs> yeah, claim to fame. Um, yeah. How are you, mate? Good? Good. Doing really well, thanks. Yeah, that's good. We, uh, I don't think we've maybe, other than at the Gold Coast the other week, I'm not sure if we've ever raced each other or come across paths in, or come across paths in the past, have we? Well, well, I think we have, and I um, I was going through the archives of some photos the other day, and I'm pretty sure you've raced in Christchurch before, right? I have. I raced there twice. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure. I don't think I've raced you in a half there. I may have done a 10K, but I might have a photo, which I'll send you later, of um, maybe, I think you, you may be in the same, the same picky as me. Yeah, right. That's an, um, yeah. I loved going over to that race. It was awesome kind of feel and they looked after you really well. And yeah, yeah always like going to New Zealand. It just feels, I don't know if you get the same vibe, but it feels just that extra bit more friendly than Australia does, which is probably not a great um, <laughs> yeah, report from Australian side of things. But yeah, everyone, maybe it was just my experience in Christchurch, but they just felt yeah. like they yeah really wrapped around you and just good people. Yeah, no, it is. Um, I think, especially being a runner as well. I mean, that running running community is pretty tight over there, and um, they'll definitely welcome anyone with open arms. And anyone that's trying to sort of run fast as well, I suppose, gets looked after um, pretty well too. So, um, yeah. Hey, so, what what years did you go over there? Oh, two thousand eleven or twelve? Yeah, could have been off the top of my head. I reckon, yeah, maybe three years ago. So maybe. Okay. Um, yeah, 13 and 14. I went two years in a row. I come fifth both years. Um, but <laughs> super fast course out at the uh, airport there. Oh, uh, yeah. And, um, yeah, ran, I think, six, yeah, 66 and a half. Started, and, yeah. It would have started in negative, what, two degrees oh, or something like that as well. It's yeah. always so cold. One year there, it was super freezing. Like, they had, like, warning on the start line just telling us, um, watch out for the black ice and, yeah, you kind of got to a stage of the race, and it was like, well, ice skating. You kind of had to slow down a bit yeah. because it was just um, so icy. But, yeah, um, 
But um, it takes you like um, 3K to actually, you know, get the arms warm because you obviously go out and you're wearing singlets and shorts as well. And everyone's sort of like stiff and trying to like actually, you know, feel limber and feel like you want to race for the first sort of 3K or so. Everyone's just, um, you know, like <laughs> it's cold as anything. Yeah. Fingers are still white. Yeah. It was, yeah. Um, it was quite a good experience. So it's, um, as I said, and a good bunch of guys over in New Zealand, like there's no... I don't know if you find the same thing, but no really cockiness or arrogance amongst amongst those kind of top tier guys. <laughs> they kind of all wanted a chat and a beer afterwards, and it was just like hanging out with some old mates you never knew. Yeah, yeah, no, it definitely is. I mean, there's I think in any community though, like you know, like running community, there's definitely um, a level of competitiveness that that exists. Um, but no, it's it's pretty chill, and everyone I think um, generally wants the best for each other, and it's pretty stoked to be, um, you know, battling against each other as well. I mean, back back there, I've lived, um, I flattered with a bunch of runners who have been really quick, and you know, we always got on really well, and and even though we raced each other, it was, you know, it was still always chill afterwards, and we'd always, um, yeah, hang out and talk talk running, but also just you know do other stuff as well. So um, yeah. it's it's serious, but it's a good a good mix as well. Yeah. Hey mate, do you want to give the listeners a bit of a con a bit of context? What I usually do is I get the guest to introduce themselves. So do you want to maybe explain a bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, well, my name's Dave Ridley. Um, so I'm a Kiwi I'm living in Melbourne. Um, I moved here at the end of 2015. Um, and I work in advertising, so a full full time job there. And um, and then my other my other job is pretty much to to run as well. So <laughs> I um, look at it as being a job because it takes up that much time. Um, so my my event is the marathon, and um, over the last few years I've just been slowly chipping away at um, and improving my time. So yeah. And you're freshly crowned the Oceana Marathon champion. Yeah, fluked that somehow. No, you know. didn't. Um, that was hard work. <laughs> You've been second there before in that category, so uh, it was good step up. You've been doing your research. Mate, I've got a whole lot of page and notes here. I've been stalking you on Instagram and Strava and your oh, website good. all day, so it's going to be a good hour conversation. Don't you worry. Okay. All right. I'm looking forward to it. I'm feeling nervous now, though. <laughs> hey, our first question, though. What brought you to Melbourne? Um, so, actually, my girlfriend. So, I moved for love. So, um yeah, so she, I met her, she's actually was born in Australia, born in Melbourne, and she moved over to Christchurch when she was um, 12 or 13, and, and then we sort of met out, met up um, in sort of my mid-20s, and she actually ended up moving back to, to Melbourne, um, so she's an architect, and then um, just so how it happened, we sort of had it off when she'd moved back here, and so um, uh, I sort of made this decision that you know when we started seeing each other more seriously I was coming back and forth every sort of five or six weeks or so and I sort of said to her look I'll, I'll move in a year so that was um yeah I suppose 2000 and start 2015 or so and yeah by the end I was had packed up in New Zealand and moved over yeah and how'd that um travel go you kind of getting on a plane every four or five weeks would have been a bit tough wouldn't it we we did it pretty good actually so well, like we we just we targeted key things and like we went to Gold Coast in 2015 for the marathon. So we met up there, and then it was like every four, five, six weeks, like a mini holiday somewhere. And then we also met up in Auckland, and I did Auckland Marathon. And so every time we met up, um, or if she came to New Zealand, we just did something. So even though it was long distance, it was sort of you know you have something really good to look forward to every four or five weeks so yeah it was pretty cool actually it was actually it's a really unique way to start a relationship but um 
looking back, I don't really know how we did it, but at the time it was also really cool because, um, I mean, I had a, I had a good job in New Zealand and was pretty focused on that and, um, had a good life there as well. So it was, um, I was still sort of able to do all the things that I really cared about and that I was into and all my hobbies. Um, but also I suppose have a, the cool thing, which is, you know, um, you know, hanging out with an awesome person every every four or five weeks is something to look forward to. Yeah, I um, I guess I want to unpack that a bit though. Like as you said, kind of had a good job, and I guess you would have been pretty immersed in the running culture. So to kind of throw all that away, you must have been pretty confident that the relationship was obviously going to work, and probably confident in your own ability to set that stuff up in Melbourne as well. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, I was twenty six. 27 then and and i think i just you know just for through previous relationships and, and whatnot i think when you kind of stumble across the one you know someone who you know is um yeah just like-minded and is i suppose not what you've been looking for but when it just works you just know and so um yeah like within like after meeting up here in melbourne just on the fly um i sort of traveled over my, my sister actually lives here so i traveled over and then when on the fly we we met up and yeah, from pretty much from that moment, it was like, whoa, this is um, you know something. There's definitely a spark here, and and something I want to kind of, I suppose, investigate further. And you know, luckily she um, felt the same as well. So everything just progressed really quick, and um, didn't really look back, man. Just just went for it. <laughs> Good story to kick off the episode. We don't we don't often yeah. get into like relationships and how they're formed on the yeah. show. So it's good to tick that off early. And that wasn't yeah. part of my research at all. There you go. You just you just unpack that one. Good. Just stumbled across that. <laughs> hey, uh, take us back to where the whole running journey started for you. Yeah. So yeah, for me, it's been just something I've always done. To be honest, like through primary school, through ever yeah, since I was a you know young snipper, just um, running around the paddocks and always did school cross country and um, did pretty pretty well as a um, as a young kid. Um, and regionally was always sort of in the top for cross country and running was just something I gravitated to, I think. Um, and, and I suppose as well, I was really fortunate that um, a good mate of mine, Matt Harris, um, he was a year older than me and he was a really a bit of a gun runner as well and someone I think I looked up to. So just, um, I just ended up training with him and, you know, we became really good mates and you know what running is like is you just end up you know, it's just a good bunch of people at the end of the day. And when you go for a run, you just catch up and you just talk, you know, shit for an hour or an hour and a half or whatever it is. And, um, and and so we kind of formed this really, I suppose, great relationship. And, um, so it all started from a pretty young age and I've kind of gone through that whole, um, you know, cross countries and school and then going through into a, I was playing a few other sports and then probably when I was about 13, 14, um, kind of had to, I always wanted to do athletics and, and mum and dad didn't really um, acknowledge it as something that they wanted me to do. They didn't, they knew I wanted to run, but I don't think they wanted to me to do that because um, I think they're a little bit worried about just the impact on the body and, and that sort of thing and wanted me to do a social sport as well. So um, in summer, I was playing cricket up until I was about 13. Um, and then finally, I was allowed to do athletics and then yeah, just went through that that track system, but I think always in the back of my head, I always knew that I wanted to run um, longer distance, and and I suppose that's sort of the the journey towards how I found um, you know the marathon. Yeah, that's um, it's interesting. Your parents had that kind of point of view, but it fully makes sense, doesn't it? I know 
you know, I don't have kids, but I guess if someone asked me if I wanted my kids to get into running and I think of the isolation of the sport and, you know, how long you got to spend on your own training hard and the day in, day out grind and, you know, although it's kind of a healthy thing to be actively running, it's also not the very best thing to do for your body, especially if you're training, you know, 13 or 12 times a week and double days and all those kind of things. Yeah. But that's probably the first time I've heard, um, yeah, someone kind of get that point across that maybe as a parent it's not the best thing you want your kids to be involved in. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it's probably changed a, maybe a little bit now. I mean, I, I think the running culture in New Zealand and I – from what I understand of, I suppose, learning more about Australian running history as well. I mean, the the guys back in the day, it was pretty hard nose. You know, they trained really hard and athletics was a really disciplined and focused sport. And I think, you know, only has it been recently where athletics has been quite a, a fun and inclusive and um, a bit more of a supportive environment maybe for kids. I don't know if that's a fair statement, but it's probably something I've picked up um, more. Um, so I think just my parents, um, maybe naivety in, in some respects of what athletics actually was, was probably a part to play. Um, but also my friends, you know, like they were playing cricket and, um, and in, and in winter it was, you know, I was playing soccer and, and, um, and also playing basketball as well. So I think that they just, um, wanted me to hang out with my friends and, and I did really well at those sports, but, um, always wanted to run. Yeah. Yeah, and was the culture like with the was it competitive with that Lydiard kind of culture when you were growing up in New Zealand? Yeah. Um you, you sort of learn I, th- I suppose as you go on more about that that really rich um running culture, but obviously with um yeah, the likes of John Walker and Peter Snell are talked about immensely. Um you know everybody who runs in New Zealand pretty much knows who they are and um and and to this day I suppose it's they've talked about but also Nick Willis is I, I suppose proudly celebrated as well and and then you know obviously Jake and Zane Robinson are, are starting to become more talked about as they you know start to make their mark on on the world as well so um there's definitely um you know all those conversations are happening and yeah and this so, like Australia there's just been so many guys back in the 70s and 80s who were running fast marathons um you know you know every second person seemed like they could run a 215 marathon it was just it's just outrageous yeah it is insane when you think back isn't it it makes us um makes us now feel even more slower like trying to break 220s (laughs) and stuff and yeah as you said every second man and their dog was doing it back in the day that's it eh? and like you just hear stories of like you know someone just pop up you'd be on a long run with some old dudes and and I'd be like, oh, yeah, so-and-so, yeah, he ran a, a 218 marathon. And you're like, what? You're like, where do these people come from? And, um, yeah, so, you know, yeah, as I said, like, there's just so many guys back then um, who are who are running fast. And uh, and they always, you know, the old dudes always like to tell you those sort of tales of um, back in the day, this is what we were doing for training. We were doing, you know, 32-mile runs or whatever it is and, yeah, all this sort of stuff. So it's 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 a good environment. Yeah, well, there's a lot to be said about that, about the culture, like how it just brings everyone along. Yeah. Would you say um, those names that you just listed before, were they more celebrated in New Zealand than, say, you know, the Mottrams and the Steve Monteghetti's and stuff are here, like living in both places? Um, I, I'm, I don't know. I'm not too sure. Um. I think New Zealand, and I see this in Australia as well, you know, New Zealand has a really proud um, 
we know we're really proud of our athletes that succeed you know whether that's in rugby or whatever sport it is you know new zealand just really gets behind it um behind them and i think um yeah like my my parents who didn't come from a running background you know certainly knew who peter snell and john walker were and um, rod dixon and those sorts of guys so um yeah i i, I think that most people knew who those those runners were um and that's definitely died off i think uh, you know more so now but you know funny you talk about motrim i mean i remember being at uni in 2008 and just glued to youtube watching um motrim um you know motrim videos of him talking about the one percenters and how he was going to be um hard to beat in beijing and um i remember going on runs with guys back then and everyone was just um yeah like couldn't get enough of motrim and and really just loved the battle between motrim and willis as well as that was unfolding through i suppose what 2004 5 and 6 and um, and then a little bit longer as well. Was that that documentary, the Big Mazungo one? Like how yeah, they it off the and not? Yeah, I've yeah. contributed so many YouTube hits on that video as well. That's, um, <laughs> yeah, I remember I watching I, that so much. Yeah, I watched it recently as well, and I was just like, I remember showing my girlfriend. Yeah, recently I was like, let's watch this, and um, yeah, he's just an animal, eh? And um, yeah, like Motrim was just just how tough he was, and just his attitude and. Um, I think that was pretty, um, like just how brash he was, and it, well, still is, I suppose. Um, I think, you know, that was quite uncharacteristic for um, New Zealanders because, yeah, I think New Zealanders are, they, you know, there's that tall poppy syndrome where people don't really like to talk about themselves too much and just like to go under the radar and, you know, do their training and turn up on race day and let their race speak. Whereas, um, you know, you have guys now and, who you know Mottram and also Jake and Zane to a certain extent as well you know really um don't mind just saying what they speak you know what they think sorry and um yeah so it's a pretty different a place um different perspectives they have yeah it's good though it's entertaining isn't it and I think that's why all oh. those guys kind of appeal it's probably similar to why I've spent the last half an hour watching a Conor McGregor press conference and I know nothing <laughs> about boxing or MMA but I'm yeah. just sucked in by the whole yeah probably 100%. yeah it's amazing how it can just take hold of you yeah I love it and I, I think it's I mean it adds to the marketability of the athletes and um yeah, it just makes them more appealing and I, and I you know and they're not really it's not arrogance it's more like hey this is what i'm going to do and this is um how i'm going to go about it and um yeah you definitely just buy into that i suppose philosophy and perspective yeah i guess i wanted to get to this later on but we've come across it now so your background or you said you know your occupation in advertising and marketing and i know yep. you do a bit of work for the nike run crew as well so yep i guess Maybe you could unpack that Nike run crew stuff a bit. I did fire a few emails to a few mates in Melbourne today just trying to get a bit more information out of it. But do you want to maybe unpack what that actually is first? Because that's probably a bit of a marketing ploy as well. And then we might get on to (laughs) get on to, I guess, marketing and running and kind of what you see the future is there. Yeah, cool. Um, I think the the running industry as a whole is a really, really fascinating one right now. from a from a I suppose commercial perspective, but um, also from a community perspective as well. I think going back a few steps, um, you know, back in the the seventies and eighties and nineties, you know, running was a pretty globally was a relatively popular thing. Um, and then with the emergence of triathlon and a lot of other sports, you really had this lull in in running and the uptake of it. 
But now I think what we're seeing is, you know, these major marathons around the world and, you know, Ironman buying up major marathons and major races. There's this huge uplift in people wanting to run. I think maybe because it's such a simple sport, you know, you just you know put on some shoes and you go for a run. Um, so I think Nike has acknowledged that running is, um, again, becoming uh, sort of a bit of a powerhouse in a way. Um but and the crew and the Nike Run Club is really um, just a chance for people to come and run with, um, uh, you know, a, a bunch of different people. And, and so the crew set up, we have a head coach, um, uh, Matthew Dore, who's a French Canadian, is an awesome dude. Um, and essentially he writes sessions for the crew. Um, and then we have paces at each session. So it's free to sign up and people come along and to some sessions we'll get – 30 odd people and we've had um sessions we will take up to you know 150 or so so you might come and we one week might do a speed run where we might have some reps and um uh kelly hetherington um was been has been running those speed sessions and they're really fun and then we also do a home run as well where we just you know go for a chilled out maybe 5k it might be a 10k or whatever it is so um and then generally i suppose where we're going to with the crew side of things now is um trying to i suppose unpack a little bit just and get and take that hard-nosed approach to running and throw that out out the out the door a little bit and actually you know try and experiment with what running means so i mean last week we did a really cool run where we um we set up a run um in in east melbourne and then we actually ran to a, a bakery and just like went and had donuts and coffee and just chilled out and then this week um me and my girlfriend were actually setting up a run. We were going to do the Albert Park 5K park run. And we're going to do that. And then the cruise, and we're going to go for coffee afterwards and just hang out. So we're just experimenting with just different meetups and, and different ways to, I suppose, engage the community and, and run around Melbourne and different locations. And at the end of the day, just have fun with running and be a little bit like have a serious component to it, but at the same time, just, just have some fun. Yeah, so that sense of community must be massive. Like, you must have a big range of people of different abilities rocking up, and you know, people's alarms going off, and probably thinking, <laughs> "Oh, I'm not sure if I'll go to this," but knowing that you'll see these other people at the runs must be really yeah. appealing for people. Yeah, it's um, I mean, it's it's pretty awesome event, eh? Like, or events you and you get everyone. You get people that have you know never run five k before, all the way up to people who are you know, running ultras or doing trail runs and they're just wanting to do some speed work just to help themselves out. So, um, you know, the way we structure it, we have a fast, faster and fastest group. Um, so you, no matter what, you're going to run fast. Um, and so, yeah, the fastest guys, I mean, they could be doing, you know, 200 meter sprints and they might be, um, you know, doing them in 32, 31 seconds, you know, some of those guys. So, um, yeah, there's some good guys that turn up and then other people, you know, they might be trying to run 5k in an average, you know, six minute Ks or something like that. So you get this full spectrum of, of different people. Yeah. And there's no catch or costs. Cost is it just whole, whole community no. building stuff. Yeah. No, you just turn up. So, um, you just, um, jump on nike.com forward slash Melbourne and, um, yeah, you just can look out for the events that are coming up and, and come along. They're, um, they're always really fun and all the paces are really like some of them are really good runners. Like we have Jack Rayner. Um, he's actually a pacer and Isaac hockey as well. 
um, who just ran 338. Yeah. And obviously Jack's been running really well overseas too. So, um, you know, those guys are guns. And then we have like marathoners like myself. And then also, you know, people like my girlfriend who have really, I suppose, known in the last year or so since we've been, um, since I sort of moved over, has she kind of really, um, I suppose, started to run a bit more. And, and so she's kind of trying to run a, a sub 45 minute 10k you know that's her goal so um you know no matter what like there's if you want to run fast there's people that can help you run fast but if you just want to you know reach your like run your first 5k or run your first 10k then we've got paces that can sort of help out with that too yeah that's awesome and then do they have events at all like do they ever put on like a, a run or a race or a time trial or anything like that to aim for yeah that's that's what we're kind of working towards and that's um we're just trying to find that really nice sweet spot at the moment between um keeping the runs fresh and interesting and quite unique to melbourne um and then at the same time being a little bit focused and golf specific towards an event so what we'll probably find is that we might look at doing melbourne marathon events later in the year um So something along the lines of that, but it's definitely uh, an area where we want to explore further and, um, yeah, see if we can actually set up some, some, you know, races or some some sort of competition for the for the crew. Yeah. Hey, what else can you tell me about marketing and running? That whole night two hour <laughs> stuff would have been right up your alley, wouldn't it? Oh, I was feasting over there. Yeah, it was I loved so it. Good. it was so good, and yeah. all the promo clips and everything like oh. yeah. No, and, and we've got, um, as, as paces, like we've got a bunch of content as well to share out. And, um, and it's pretty well put together from a marketing standpoint. I mean, they're, they're releasing a pair of shoes, and I can't tell you when they're going to release, but they're releasing very soon. Um, and you can. Yeah, well, they're, they're oh, right. 4% that are coming out. Yeah. So they're essentially, you know, part of you part of you could say well they did this whole sub tooth thing to launch this pair of shoes so it's a big uh, marketing campaign but i think there's generally like a an, another perspective of it which is they just wanted to see how fast they could you know push a guy as well or push three guys um so yeah it was a pretty amazing um experiment to be honest and, and whether you think it's legit or not i think at the end of the day it was just cool to see um you know probably the best marathoner we've ever seen um you know just go as hard as he can running what 251s yeah (laughs) it's just you know when you think about us trying to run i don't know like us trying to run 320s you know for a marathon and he's going out at 251s it's just absurd yeah and my, um, I just had local triathletes and kind of joggers up here talking to me about on that Monday night. Like, that's a success for me. If there's just general punters talking about yep. running, well, it's a success. I don't care if they're trying to flog off shoes or make it all yep. about themselves. That's, for me, getting people interested in running is a massive deal. Yeah. The only thing, though, I'd say is that it does, it definitely changes the perspective of, um, you know, like now when I talk to people and punters that don't really know much about running they'll say to me oh so do you run close to two hours yeah. and i'm like whoa like no 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 <laughs> like nowhere near so um yeah it, it sort of warps perception a little bit like it may it makes that sub two hour thing 
um, more of a reality. So people kind of have this general sense of, oh, you should be running close to two hours. <laughs> yeah, I'm having a battle with this at the moment because I pace the lead females up at the Gold Coast for uh, 35K. True. And yeah. then I want to run with the lead females for 42K at Berlin in about yeah. 10 weeks. People aren't quite getting the whole um, gist of how good female runners can actually be. It's uh, yeah. yeah, it's kind of an interesting one that you're kind of giving up so much time and sacrificing so much to train super hard. And then they're saying, but don't you just pace the lead Kenyans? And I'm like, no, nah, <laughs> this is different it's, Kenyans, different, different Ethiopians. Yeah. This is a bit quicker right. over at Berlin. That's, that's your calling. That's your thing now. You've oh, got to embrace it. Mate. You're the... Um, you're the African pacer. Yeah, Brad Croker and I, we're going to start a side business, <laughs> I reckon. If uh, yeah, He's yeah. probably already started. He was keen as mustard yeah. to get yeah, people's and, phone well, numbers I'll do, I'll and do stuff. the marketing for it. Yeah, yeah. This could, I'll cut the ticket somehow. This and, could be uh, that's it. what us marketing folk do. We'll put ads on the podcast. We'll be right. We'll, <laughs> yeah. uh, we'll launch yeah. it. Hey, back to yeah. you, though, because when I was researching you, I um, could find very little information about any PBs other than marathons. So, um, <laughs> is that the way it should be? Do you want That's to maybe give us be. a bit of, cause yeah, I've got about six different marathons and PB or, you know, performances in those races yeah. written down, but talk us through the shorter distance, not a fan or just always love the marathon or what? Yeah. Um, look, I ran, um, sort of low eight forties when I was, um, in school for three K and, you know, dabbled fifteen hundreds and run like four flat, but I've never really gave any of that, um, too much time and always gravitated towards the longer stuff. And just so how it happened, like between, to be honest, like between the ages of maybe 19 and, and 25 or so, I was sort of looking at trying to run some 10 Ks and really wasn't sure what my distance would be. Um, and, and just the timing of when the races were, and I never really nailed a, a good 5K or a 10K. So my PBs for five are like um, just over 15 minutes, and, and PB for 10K is like actually just on 32 minutes. So, um, you know, which is, I'm sure if I really focused and, and got myself in a race and had something on the horizon for a five or 10K, then I, I'm sure I could, um, you know, rip it a new one. But just, yeah, marathons sort of been the focus and, um, and I sort of, yeah, I sort of had this theory that I'm probably going to break my 5K, 10K half marathon PB in a marathon race, probably in Berlin, and, yeah. <laughs> you know, probably not too distant future. So, yeah, I, um, yeah, I've, I just haven't raced those sort of shorter distances aggressively in the last few while. If I do it, it's always um, part of a workout or, or I'm going into it on tired legs and just tempoing it or something like that. So, yeah, never really um, focused on it, but it's definitely something I want to do. And so I'm, I'm sort of thinking after Berlin that I might um, just take a bit of time off and then over summer actually try and you know see if I, see what I can run over 5k and you know obviously tick off that sub 15 minutes and and then try and get a low um, you know low 30 something um, 10k. Yeah. But um, back to the marathon, I guess you got a bit of a love hate relationship with the with the past <laughs> in the marathon. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It started off, um, yeah, pretty pretty hard. Queenstown, 2014, was that the first one? No, nah, I actually started. The first one would have been uh, 2012, maybe. Um, I went to, uh, I actually did Christchurch, but I pulled out after about halfway. Um, yeah, okay. So both, both calves um, – uh, popped and then I went to Auckland and I think later in the year so Auckland is always in October November 
and I ran um, two thirty nine. Yep. Um, on debut, and I went through halfway and one thirteen, and then had an <laughs> absolute meltdown in the back half. Um, so yeah, it wasn't wasn't too tough with that. And were you and prepared then, for that one? Sorry to cut you off. Were you prepared and like, or all good for that, or just got a bit anxious, a bit early, and just went a bit hard? Yeah, how Auckland is, it's it's a little bit hilly earlier on, and I just, um, I think I ran some of those hills a little bit too aggressively, and um, one of the guys I was running with, he, yeah, he was sort of, I knew that I wanted to be around where he was, and so I was, you know, being a little bit too competitive and just didn't really appreciate that distance, and um, I'm, I'm sure if I had have gone through in 115, or even 116, I would have been able to probably bring it home and, and run a low 230, um, time then but yeah it was really miserable and and just my shoes on the day as well where um, I'm a kind of guy that just needs a little bit of cushion under my under my feet and otherwise my feet get really sore around about 30k in the marathon and that happened up in Auckland I just got to that mark and my feet were just aching and absolute agony so yeah was pretty much running four minute k's home yeah, right. Yeah, which is a long way home. Yeah, it is, isn't it? The marathon back end of it's never easy, and if yeah. you hit the wall, it makes it um, a bit harder as well. And then uh, yeah. was then it to Queen? Did you then have a two two year break to Queenstown in two thousand fourteen? Nah, I um I went to, and did there's a marathon. Um, so that must be two thousand and twelve. I'm trying to get these numbers right. Yes. And then I did two thousand and thirteen in February I went and did a Buller Marathon. So Yeah, so um, this stuff isn't coming up on Google when it comes <laughs> Yeah, you got you gotta search like, I don't know, Dave Ridley Buller. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't know. I wasn't talking um, about that stuff in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um so it's a really um yeah, it's, it's a really beautiful marathon. Um and it it starts I suppose in the in the Alps on the west coast of um New Zealand and um it's net downhill, but you spend the first six or eight k going slightly uphill. You turn around, you follow this river all the way down to the um, to the um, west coast, to the yeah, to the coast. Um, and yeah, it's a little bit undulating. And I ran two thirty seven there. Um, so again, it wasn't that good. I went through halfway and and one fifteen, and yeah, just had a really tough back half again. Um, and yeah, thought I'd do a lot better because I, I prepared relatively well for it, but just I, I suppose I was still trying to figure out the marathon and, and you know, and I'm still trying to figure it out. But, you know, back then it was just trying to – I didn't really know much about nutrition or um, even how to just mentally, you know, stay composed and just how to relax and those little subtleties that um, you really need in, in a good marathon race. Um, so yeah, I don't really know anything about that. So I just sort of, you know, I suppose redlined it and then just, um, popped and, and that was about it. So what we think um, at this stage, you kind of had a DNF first up, a 239 things are gone wrong, 237 things are gone wrong. Were you still certain that marathons were for you? Yeah. I like, I'm pretty sure like my, when I was thinking about my first one back in 2012, I was thinking, you know what, I'm going to run 225. Like that's that legitimately that's what I was thinking I'd, I'd run and just had no appreciation for um, you know what it's like when you hit that you know 28 29k mark and you know everything's screaming at you so yeah and I 
I think because at that time as well, I was also getting coached by um, a guy called Don Gregg, who had run a 212 marathon. And um, he's a bit of a local legend in um, in Christchurch, and everyone knows who he is. And um, so he's just a hard old dude, and you know, really, um, you know, I think believed in me as well, and believed that I could run, you know, at least a sub 230. And um, so he wasn't too phased, and knew that a good one would come. Um, so it was just a matter of about being patient. Yeah. So then you rolled Queenstown again, and then up to Sydney. And, yeah, uh, I think I did Sydney first. Sydney first, yeah. So Sydney in September in 2014. That's right, that's earlier, yep. And then Queenstown after that. So, um, yeah, Sydney was the uh, when I finally broke 2.30. So it was a big sigh of relief. That was a um, 2.29, maybe 0.9. Um, and so, you know, we're talking about running with the lead lead. Um, females before that's pretty much exactly what i did i read your blog it was so funny (laughs) unpack it for the listeners though because they might not get there yeah so um so how it turned out is probably after about uh 1500 meters i was looked up the road and i I saw the lead females i was thinking you know what i might catch these guys catch these guys up so i rolled up to them and then just because they had the lead motorbikes and and like there's a helicopter flying over i was thinking i don't know if i can run with I'm not, I'm not allowed to run with these guys. Like, they, I don't know if I can do that. So I kind of ran to the side for a wee while. And then after about 10K, I was like, nah, stuff it. This is my race. And just hopped in there. And then um, they just pretty much sat on me for a little bit. And then I um, sat on one of them. And then uh, we ended up, um, me and this um, lady, we we broke away from the other two lead, um, female runners. And it's just her and um, I for for the rest of the race pretty much and we're running side by side and i think um she thought that i was her pacemaker because we'd come up to a drink station and she would just signal to me to to pick up a drink for her and the (laughs) first time um we rolled up and i was thinking in my head i was like okay dave get a gel i need to get a gel so i reached and got a gel and i was like get a you know get a glass of water for for her so i got a water but as i got the water i put the gel back down and then I got flustered and actually squeezed out all the water out of the cup. And then I ended up giving her an empty cup. And she just looked at it and threw it away. And I was like, oh. So keep going and hit the next drink table. And um, exactly the same thing happened again. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I need to start getting some fluids in. So finally on the third jump, must have been about 15, you know, 17K by then, finally got, got it down and ended up giving her some um, water as well. So we're running side by side and, and um and that was going really well and um you know just ticking along and then probably about uh, it must be about 30 odd k we're coming back into sydney and um running side by side and next next thing she just starts projectile vomiting out in front of her and it's fluoro yellow um and i'm running next to a guy what is going on here and um and, and she's not like slowing down or anything like that so we're heading back in She's throwing up. And then probably about 2K later, she just puts on a surge and drops me. And I'm thinking, how tough is this like, lady? And so I'm like out the back, um, probably about a, you know, 100 meters behind her. And finally, with um, a few K to go, I'm thinking, you know what? I need to pick her back up. So I ended up um, rolling past her and um, ended up you know, beating her by I don't know, 10 or 15 seconds or so. And um, so... 
the race ended and I wanted to go over to her to congratulate her and just like thank her and I'm, I was stoked you know just broke 2.30 so I walked over to her and on live TV you see me walk over pat her on the back um, put my arms out to give her a hug she bends over spews up everywhere <laughs> and you see me turn around and just walk off <laughs> yeah. no, no so spew hugs for you yeah, that was my, um, you know, pacing the lead female experience. Ah, awesome. That's good. And then I guess, like, you just had a lot of kind of 2.30 kind of results again until you went back to the – or you went to the Gold Coast or you went back there because you went there in 2015 and DNF'd with a dodgy Achilles. Is that correct? Yep. And yeah, then um, back there in 2016, probably the most significant significant breakthrough to hit the 2.26. Yeah, absolutely. Like um, – and that was sort of, I suppose, lead in from you know, having lived in, um, I'd been living in Melbourne for probably six, seven months by then. Um, yeah, so December, or November, December of 2015. So really just, you know, Melbourne and being in Australia, I think, has definitely helped me to become a better athlete and just change my perception as well of running. And, um, and just, just there's so much talent here. Um, so when you turn up to a cross-country race, like, you just have to go, if you want to be competitive, you just got to go faster. Um, so that's really pulled me along a lot. And I think, um, yeah, that just showed at Gold Coast last year where I was probably just more confident and the train really well. And um, and the coach and I, we just got a few things right. And I suppose, to be honest, just finally found um, a bit of a sweet spot in my training with just what starts to work for me and it's taken me took me such a long time to find that um like all like through my late teens and sort of early 20s really had no idea what would work for me and what was working with other guys but i just didn't get any benefit from it so yeah finally i suppose last year in 2016 we just found what worked um and that gold coast result just showed Okay, we need to stop and unpack that. Though. Okay. So everyone's going to be wondering what worked. What was it? Were you still getting coached by correspondence from your coach in New Zealand, or? Yeah, I um I jumped to a um another coach who I've been with for the last few years now, uh, Matt Ingram. So he coaches a few guys, um, so a few guns back in New Zealand. I mean, Oscar and Scabanes, Daniel Belchin, Callum Moody, um, a few pretty good runners. Um, so yeah, Matt and I have just been slowly working away so i suppose um there are a few things that helped um was actually strava in some respects like seeing um stalking a bit of what josh harris was doing and just um how hard he was training and and some of the mileage that he was doing was pretty inspiring um so there was that side of it and I, i don't think that we had ever um had an issue with my ability to run mileage like i could run mileage but it was just trying to get that quality in so what we did before gold coast we just capped the mileage so i wasn't running any further like any longer than about 130 140k a week um but we really focused on just hitting the sessions and focusing on the speed work so on mondays would only be a single mondays and wednesdays would be a single only 12k or so but then on Tuesdays, um, we'd always be at the track and we'd always be doing something quite speed-focused. Um, and then Thursdays would be like a, a, a tempo, a long tempo. 
and then Saturdays will be back to trying to do a like a pyramid session or it might be a, a two, three, four, five, six minute and then back down. Um, so something like that as well. And then also what we started to include was, and I still do it now, is we work on a, a two-week cycle where the weeks are pretty much are identical, but every second week we do the um, the long run on the Sunday becomes my workout day. So I'll run for about um, maybe at least 15K, but before Gold Coast, just before I was getting up to about 22K, and then I'd start my workout. And the whole idea was just to try and, um, like the hardest thing in marathon training is to teach the body to actually work when it's tired. And I think that had been my downfall previously where I get to 25K and then um, I really struggle. So we're just trying to um, now just you know teach the body to, to run for 20 odd K or so, um, get that just general fatigue and then do a workout. And it doesn't have to be a superstar workout, but it's just about teaching the body and the mind just to operate um, under that stress. Um, so we do that every yeah, second Sunday and it works really, really well. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's sort of my, um, my go-to. Yeah, I um, was in the same boat a bit, like talking to Josh after I ran my first one in 2.26 and just had followed him on Strava, as you said, and then asked him a few questions and implemented a few of those. I 100% agree, those longer sessions that I think it's just as much mentally that you're going to be out there for, you know, 30K working at a decent rate and it just prepares you for what you're going to feel at the marathon at 30K. Yeah, and I think, like, people that are looking to run the marathon because – between, you know, when you're training for it, whether it's a 1500 up to about a half marathon, you can warm up for two, three, four, five K and then put on the spikes or the flats, do your workout, you warm down for a few K and you're done. Um, whereas I, me personally, I think that there's, yeah, you've got to really teach the body how to work and operate on fatigued legs. Um, so that's just what we're trying to implement a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It makes fully sense. And then um, you went to Fukuoka in Japan over at the end of last year. How was that? Oh, it's unreal. I mean, I'd never been to Japan before. And um, so obviously they're pretty, you know, for the race. Um, but also just to experience the culture as well. And it was actually really, um, like, mentally challenging to be there because I actually just – all I wanted to do was just go to the pub. I just wanted to go to the pub and hang out with the locals and, and just um, – I didn't even really like, yeah, I knew I had to race, but I just wanted to be on holiday. Um, so going into the race was actually quite challenging. Um, there's a couple of the days leading into it. And, um, and actually how it worked as well is I picked up a new pair of spikes, um, sorry, racing flats the day I flew out and I hadn't um, worn them yet. And so landed in Japan um, took them out of the box this is this was on the thursday morning i arrived there races on the sunday put them on started running i was like no way like they've changed the toe box in these um these shoes so my toes were right at the end of the shoe and um it was sort of too late so i ran in them for a couple of days and then got into the race on the sunday and just it was just one of those annoying things in the race where you're thinking about it the whole time and so i just didn't feel um that good in the race at all and i actually thought i was gonna um pull out but i was just thinking to myself okay like 
run 5k to 5k you've come all this way it might not be your best day today but just you're here um yeah go to the next 5k and just keep going and and if you're going to pull out make sure you've put everything on the line like don't pull out unless you've you know exhausted 100 percent. so that was sort of what i was going through and and then probably about 25k i sort of came out of that and i started feeling really good and um i was like oh i you know all these guys had dropped off as well like the japanese they just like kamikaze when they um when they race they just they go all in and um then they just blow up so i sort of left in no man's land a little bit um but yeah managed to finish off the race really strong and, and i was just absolutely stoked because it was one of those races and one of those days where i didn't think i was gonna um, pull it off but really happy to i suppose make the trip over there and um you know traveling and getting another pb is um you know something to be i think pretty happy about even though i probably wanted to go a little bit faster um it was yeah all in all really really good still a step in the right direction though isn't it like not a huge pb but at least you're not going backwards or kind of breaking even yeah 100 percent, and that's what the coach said to me afterwards as well he's like look to to jump on a plane and to have a pretty quick turnaround and um, everything's foreign and um, you're not going to feel I suppose at ease I never really traveled internationally for a race before so it was a really good experience for me just on how to deal with some of those external things that you don't get when you're racing at home Um, you know when you're turning up to a local race just down the road it's really easy because everything's routine whereas when you're planning for a race overseas you're it's a different mindset and um yeah i was and i was really surprised about just just not really wanting to run just wanting to be on holiday and because that's what it felt like so trying to get myself into the mood of actually um running and racing was was quite challenging yeah you could be in a bit of trouble in berlin in 10 weeks time i reckon (laughs) it's uh it's exactly (laughs) like that when you get over there as well yeah pretty happy place Hey, um, what about the significance of that race? It must have been pretty, like, you, you sound like someone who's really a massive fan of marathons, and that's one of the one of the big ones with its history in the world, so it would have been pretty nice to be in that field and, and get to tick it off yeah. the list. Yeah, well, just so how it happened, I mean, I, I managed to start um, on the, so I think there's about 300 runners all up, and you've got to have a sub, I think it's a 235 marathon to your name to, yeah. to enter. Um, and so the top, so the, the guys with sub 227 marathons, they all start on the track. So there's about 150 of us that started on the track. And then the other bunch, they start outside the stadium. And after about 1,500 meters, you meet up. Um, so, yeah, I was like one of the last out of the stadium, still running. I think I ran like 319 for my first K. Um, but yeah, absolutely amazing experience to be there and to, to be part of that race. I mean, Taruku Bekele was there. Um, and then obviously Yuki as well was there. And, um, so yeah, and, and Japanese runners and, and marathoners are so good. So, uh, and they're so welcoming. Like they were absolutely stoked that I had made the effort to come all that way to race there. Like anyone that's looking to do a marathon overseas, like just go to Japan because, the, the nicest people they'll look after you and they'll welcome you back as well they'll just do whatever it takes yeah great here and the crowds are really good along the way 
Yeah, yeah. They're always they're yelling at you, and obviously I speak no Japanese, so um, I had no idea what they're saying. Um, but I was just sort of trying to embrace it and go, yeah, they're, they're talking to me. <laughs> as long as they weren't saying your shoes look too small or something like that, yeah, you're, you're yeah, all good. Yeah. Hey, your uh, toes are bleeding. Yeah, <laughs> pull out. Go to KFC. That was uh, in your blog as well, yeah. talking about that race, the temptation yeah. to duck in there at 15K. Oh, man, when I rolled past it, it was um, smelling super good. So, uh, yeah, I definitely wanted to pull plug. <laughs> and that leads us to our, your latest run, uh, what, two weeks ago after the Gold Coast? Yeah, that's it. 2.24.59, that second uh, sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Much better than yeah. 2.25.01, I reckon. Well, here's the thing. Like, when, when we just um, when I just finished, they had it on the official results at 2.24.56. So... I'm going to claim it's 56, even though they've revised it to 59, but I'm still going to tell everyone it's 56, right? <laughs> uh, don't even tell people what the seconds are. I'd just be saying you're a 224 marathoner and that's yeah. it. Like, yeah. yeah. Talk I was, was coming down the straight and I was um, looking up at the clock going, oh shit, this is going to be close. Yeah. Um, I definitely put a wee surge in to get there. I did the same thing at Berling last year. I was 221.53 and I was just like oh. digging deep going, this has to yeah. stay in the 221s. Yeah. And I think yeah. the clock was a bit quick that day as well. But anyway, that's a different story. Um, talk us through the preparation first. Yeah, um, I was yeah really focused for this race and I think every marathon I do, just, just learning a lot and, and we're always trying to I suppose it's better the training, but also we have big expectations. And um, I suppose the goal going into it was I want to see how close to 220 I can get. Um, so that was the, I suppose, mindset in training and also um, leading into the race as well. So, yeah, training went really, really, really smoothly. Um, there was a couple of little hiccups here and there. Um, about three weeks out, I got a um achilles little injury so i actually just was only able to jog for about uh about 10 days or so so i missed a couple of key workouts and especially a couple of key long tempos i didn't do um at all so my workouts leading in like the last few workouts were a little bit yeah but a, a bit tentative just because i wasn't quite confident on the achilles um, but about, I knew at about a week out that it, I was going to be fine because I did a workout um, in my final workout uh, three by eight minutes and I was averaging um, about 304s across the board there. So I knew I was in good nick and I think I just, um, yeah, but I definitely had noticed in the race as well that I lacked a few longer tempos in that build up. So um, yeah, that was sort of, I suppose the build-up phase. Um, so going into the race, we wanted to see how close to 220 I could get. So whereas previously I'd probably been a little bit more, um, slightly more conservative in my approach to a marathon, just easing into it a bit more. We, I suppose, wanted to yeah run a bit more aggressively and and just put myself on the line a little bit. So that's what we did at, at Gold Coast and. Um, it, it worked and, and didn't work at the same time. Uh, I think I was running low 320s for, um, for, I suppose, the first half or so of the race. Um, really started to just struggle a little bit by about 17, 18K and just wasn't quite as in rhythm as I was hoping. 
And again, I think it comes back to maybe not having those couple of those, you know, key long tempos in there. So yeah, by about 17, 18 K, I was just sort of gritting my teeth a little bit going, well, I'm going to have to hold on here and, and, and see what happens. And it was a really tough place to be as well because the top guys and the Africans and Japanese, they all go out. And then for the first 10 K or so, I had a, a little pack, um, but really no one to run with after that. And so I was in no man's land, just, just holding on for really the last half of the race. And, um, and it gets hot out there. Did you notice that when you were pacing? Yeah, I noticed it when you got back on the highway, probably 29, 30K, like out of the shade of the buildings. Yeah, it was um, – I got out there and just – I was like pouring water down my back and on my head and just trying to cool down because I, I think I just overcooked it a little bit that first half. But, um, yeah, I was, I was pretty fortunate just to hold on and to, yeah, to, to get there in the end, to be honest. It was – um, I didn't know there's a few spots along the way where I was going, Oh shit, am I going to make this? But, um, yeah, when I, you know, how you go past the start finish at 31 K, I really just had to not look at it and just run straight past it and just, um, yeah, keep going. And, and again, just try and work five K to five K and, um, focus on that rather than focus on the fact that I was, um, yeah, the legs were hurting and I was slowing down a little bit. Yeah, you must have been running a bit scared then, knowing that, because there was a few guys kind of behind you, but I think they all went backwards probably a lot more than you did in that second half. So you were probably the, the survivor, fitted of the survivors <laughs> kind of thing. And, um, yeah, we definitely didn't, didn't spot you, whereas there was a few people dropping off that were picking up pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, I think that probably shows, for me anyway, like, that my, my training was really good and that I was fit um, and I was fit enough just to hold on um, even though I wasn't able to really capitalize on going out a bit aggressively and actually bring the back half home um, but it, it, I think it just shows that I was yeah fit enough and probably mentally in a, in a good spot where I could just I can just keep grinding it out so yeah it's a I took you know from the race I've sort of been digesting it a little bit and I think it's actually um, it was actually a really good mental challenge and for hopefully if I can recover well for Berlin as well, just sort of learning just how my mind works a little bit in those environments when you're being tested because um, you always hope in a marathon that you're going to feel great and you're going to feel smooth and you're going to feel in rhythm. But it's those moments when you're feeling like you're not hitting the ground right or your, your legs are a bit stiff and you're trying to stay relaxed but you can't like – grinding those moments out and just learning how to deal with that um you can yeah i think i've learned how to tolerate that a lot more now so i'm a bit more prepared for for that in my next marathon yeah and did you know that you won the oceana championships like when you crossed the line or weren't you sure or um i i I knew i was probably there or thereabouts because how the race went out was that the top guys went through the first K relatively slow. They must have only run about 3.15 or so. Um, so I was on the back of that, that African-Japanese bunch for the first K. And then I think they went through the first K and they probably looked at the clock and went, oh, shit, we're going slow. So they took off after that. But um, So I knew from that point that I was you know, really probably the, one of the only Australians or New Zealanders up, up the front there. So, um, yeah, I, I kind of had a pretty fair idea the whole way. So I was, yeah, I 
in the back half of the race, I, I knew that if somebody caught me, I was prepared just to go with it. Um, so I was, yeah, ready to go if somebody did, did catch me. But, um, yeah, I was running a little bit scared, just hoping no one was going to come up too quick. And it must have been a pretty rewarding feeling winning that, knowing that like two years before, or a year before, you got um, you got second in that category. Yeah, it's, it's funny how it, it sort of worked out actually, eh? Like it's, I'm definitely stoked. Like it's really, really cool. And I mean, you know, winning winning races and all running, winning the title, I mean, the, the cool thing about that um, is no one can ever take that away from you. And whereas, you know, time, you're always sort of searching for the next time, but those sorts of little achievements, um, whatever it may be, you know, those moments, you know, no one can take that away from you now. So it's in the history books, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. And um, how have you pulled up? I guess 10 weeks now until Berlin and you've run a marathon two weeks ago. That's <laughs> a uh, pretty tight turnaround. Yeah, well, hearing your blogs, I mean, um, sorry, your podcast with the boys, I mean, um, <laughs> you guys are all talking about how you're, you're trying to stay fresh and how you're recovering <laughs> from it. But, um uh, look, I've been, I haven't been too bad. Um, I've started jogging, um, a little bit this week and, um, actually, yeah, bit of a funny wee story. I actually had a bike crash on, on Sunday afternoon and I went, um, I had a, a bollard in Albert Park on my bike and I went straight over the handlebars and, um, yeah, fell off and hit my head on the ground as well. So I've been a little bit, um, actually ended up going to the hospital on, uh, on Monday night, um, just because I just had this headache and I've got this cut on my head and and on my knee as well. I've got this puncture wound from where I must have hit one of the screws um, and a little bit scra- um, scratched up. But so I've, I've sort of had that to deal with in the first half of this week as well. So the preparation for Berlin is um, at the moment not going too smoothly. But in the last couple of days, I've been able to run and yeah, run a bit more freely. So I'm pretty confident that um, yeah, probably next week I'm just going to dial it up and and try and spend about eight weeks um, just going for it and yeah, just see what happens. So yeah. And off that massive marathon base anyway, like it's it's still there. Like you've got all those long runs behind you and sessions and yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it, and that's the way I'm looking at it as well. Like that, yeah, I've done the work. It's just about. Um, appreciating and letting the body have a little bit of time just to just to recover but um at the same time yeah i I feel now that i'm i've sort of refocused and um yeah i think gold coast in some ways if if i if berlin goes well it's sort of enabled me just to have like a practice run if that makes sense yeah um about going out at that you know 320s um, that sort of 220 pace just and now I know a little bit about what that feels like um, so I'm going to go into Berlin um, I think a bit more confident and a bit more um, yeah ready for that feeling and, and trying to hold on a bit bit longer and um, and hopefully as well I mean I know you guys want to go out pretty um, solidly and you'll probably be searching for that sub 220 and, um, and I'm just sure there's going to be a bunch of guys around um, that I can, you know, stick in with and, and I don't have to do any too much work by myself. So I'm really looking forward to that. Mate, you won't have to do any work. I can guarantee you that. There's going to be – there was yeah. a pack of about 30, I reckon, last year. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you sit off the oh. back and listen to the crowd and just, yeah, the K's just fly by. I'm hanging out for that. It's, it's just what I'm, 
Gold Coast just, do, just doesn't have that. And I think, um, you know, it'd be awesome to get that race where there's a bunch of guys that want to run 220 um, and, you know, a good pack of five or six guys. Because you can do it there, but I think you need a few guys just to all work off each other and make sure that first half is done without taking, you know, doing too much work. And just, you know, at Gold Coast, I was just doing too much work, just trying to run by myself. Yeah, the biggest problem at Berlin is you end up going too quick. Like last year we <laughs> went, you know, maybe 69-10 or something through the first half and it felt Ooh. easy, but it still got us in that, you know, 35 onwards kind of thing. Yeah. But but yeah. yeah, it kind of feels so good and there's a pack going at it. So you just kind of sit in there and enjoy it <laughs> and then it comes back to bite you later yeah, on, as, yeah. as the marathon always does, I think. Yeah, yeah, it but, always does. Oh, that's good. How long in advance are you getting over there? Um, so about a week beforehand so i think this saturday before so it must be saturday the 15th or 16th yep um of september um i arrive and so i'm spending the first six or seven days oh six days in amsterdam yeah um so one of my kiwi mates malcolm hicks um lives in amsterdam so i'm staying with him and then shooting across to berlin on the thursday friday and um yeah obviously racing on the sunday so i'll be in berlin for a good five or six days um in total yeah, yeah. is malcolm still running i raced him in one of those christchurch races i think and he's a legend as well yeah yeah he's really good um yeah he's still running um he's had a few little injuries but yeah he's well he's run like 1330 or something for yeah, 5k yeah 30 for 5k like at, at um in melbourne actually maybe last year so um yeah hanging out to see him he's a really good mate and um so yeah he'll he'll make that transition from you know flying over i'll be able to go straight into that sort of nice comforting you know welcoming um space where where it's quite familiar so um yeah pretty happy with just yeah how that's going to play out yeah it's good stuff what about yourself? I'm in this. I'm going over the same day. I think I land. I'm going straight to Berlin though. So um, yeah, land okay. there on the Saturday and then have a week there before the race. And last year I went over to Prague for the week before the race. Okay. Just um, yeah, I just knocked another country off the list kind of thing and <laughs> wasn't too good for running over there. But um, yeah, it was good to. I think we got into Berlin maybe the Thursday or the Friday, and that was fine. Yep. Like plenty of time to get used to it and stuff. And yeah, it was um, yeah, it was good. And I think that's. Did- Sorry. Do you find that though when you when you go to those places you just want to like like how do you keep your focus? Do you just want to have a holiday or do yeah. you are you are you pretty good at just sort of switching off from all the the cool sights and sounds? Yeah, no, that's probably why like people say to us now about oh how good's Prague and I was like yeah not a week out before the marathon like because everyone's just having beers and eating ice creams and doing the touristy yeah. thing. And here yeah. you are, like, trying to find a place to do a 5K time trial, and there's cobblestones <laughs> everywhere, and you're like, oh, yeah. this yeah. is, um, yeah. yeah, this is shocking. But um, I did yeah. find a good bike path there. Brad's actually going to Prague this year before okay. before he goes to Berlin. But um, that's why I went straight to Berlin this year, because I know there's an yeah. awesome park there, and it's um, yeah. and I've kind of, yeah, ticked off a few countries anyway last time, so I'll get the race done and then see a few more this time. But, um, yeah, cool. Berlin's an amazing city. You've been there before? No, never. So, um, yeah, I've been to Europe once before, but I've never been to Berlin. So, yeah, yeah. And hanging out, I mean, it's for me as well. Like, that's Berlin Marathon's the ultimate. I think, well, it's the fastest in the world, pretty much. And um, now, like, Kipchoge obviously is going to be running it as well. Um, so, that news broke a couple of days ago. So, it's going to be pretty awesome, you know, standing on the start line with him and 
Um, obviously, a bit of a running idol from you know way back in what early two thousands. Yeah. So, so it's going to be pretty cool to say that I was on the start line with him. Yeah, it's goosebumps like like Bikili was there last year, and when they were introducing him, and I was standing kind of ten people back, I was like, oh my god, it's like Kenny Bikili, and I'm like in the same yeah. race, and you're like, crap, I'm about to run a marathon here. Like this is yeah, kind yeah. of starstruck a bit. Um, yeah. I'm I'm hoping that he puts his name forward to run as well. Yeah. I mean, that would be the that would be the ultimate for me. Like, yeah, just racing those two guys. Not that I'd be racing them, but being on the start line with those two guys would be pretty amazing. Yeah, fingers crossed he does. Having a win there last year's got to help him to come back. Yeah, surely. Yeah. Hey, um, have you emailed the girl about getting an elite start or sub elite? Yeah, I yeah, have. You've got yeah. all that sorted. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Got all that sorted. So, um, but based on your um, your podcast, I hear that did you get shafted last year? Yeah. Last minute or? Yeah, I was in Prague. More bad memories about Prague, and I got an email. Just <laughs> I actually sent them an email because they told me in like August that I'd be on the sub-elite start, and then, um, yeah, I just hadn't heard anything from him, and I had all my drink bottles ready to go and all that oh. stuff. I had the kids at school, I'd decorate them before I went over. Oh, man. Um, and then, yeah, I thought, I'll just send them an email. I was getting to, like, Tuesday, and I thought, I haven't heard anything yet. I'll email them, and then, yeah, they shafted me. But they were enforcing sub-225, so that one second going to come in pretty handy for you, I reckon. That's all I need. Yeah, they pretty much just said we've had so many like sub-elites or whatever this year, which I'd assume would be like that every year, and they had to enforce the sub-225 time. So, um, yeah, which, you know, in hindsight, I probably used a bit too much mental energy just worrying about where to go at the start and kind of not getting looked after and, oh, I'm going to have to pick up the cups instead of having my own drinks and, yeah, those kind of things. But, um. Yeah, no, that should be all good for you, mate. If they're going to enforce, if they bring that in again, you'll be in the clear. Yeah, fingers crossed. Anyway, fingers but crossed. I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's just going to be what it is. Yeah. Um, I think just the experience stuff. and and just trying to get swept away on that that train running, you know, three um, twenties is yeah. Is, I'm looking forward to that. Really yeah. looking forward to it. It's going to be good. Hey, I always finish the podcast. I ask the guests if they got a mantra or a quote or a philosophy or something they live by. Have you got anything? <laughs> Um, I, yeah, well, in, in some ways I kind of change it, um, every now and again. Um, so sort of last year I was sort of going off this, like be strong and stay relaxed for the marathon. I think, um, you know, really just, well, that was sort of something I, I, yeah, just wanted to try and do it in a race is actually just be strong and, and be present in that moment. Um, but this year, going into Gold Coast, I sort of changed it up a little bit, and it was um, be brave, um, because I think to be brave, uh, yeah, and I suppose I need to sort of explain this a little bit, where because I was pretty nervous about going out at um, 320s, because my PV for the half is only um, like 70, 20, um, I'm sure I could run faster, but I knew that I'd be going out at a pace that was pretty close to my um, half marathon PB pace. And, and and as much as I knew that I could do it, it was still, it's still a bit of a, a mind shift. And I knew I had to, um, yeah, some guys just a little bit like, I had to get myself pretty amped up just to be confident to actually do that. So I sort of thought, well, um, I wanted to be brave and actually just try it and I had nothing to lose. Um, so that was sort of one that I, I, I sort of pushed forward. So be brave and, and stay relaxed is something I kept with me as well. And the other one is um, just embrace it, like embrace the challenge and um, and be really present. Like 
when I'm when you're running and when you're racing, just um, all those little things, all those subtleties. They, you know, every time you hurt or something's not right, just right, just embrace it and um, and try and like look at the positive out of it as well, and and just be really present in that moment. So not think about what's coming up or what next race I'm going to do or anything like that. Just embrace the the here and now and just um, yeah, go for it. Yeah, pretty so, yeah. good. And not just for running that stuff. That's like your whole life kind of philosophy in a way. Like <laughs> you can use that at work or when you fall off your bike or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, I'll be going on to work tomorrow and I'll be I'll like pitching to a client or something and I'll, I'll use that. Maybe but maybe you'll see it on the, on the tally in the next couple of weeks. You'll see a, um, a company having the tagline, you know, embrace the challenge. Yeah, yeah, I'm driving to Melbourne on the weekend for Albert Park 10K. I'll probably see it on a big billboard over the Bolting Bridge or something <laughs> on the way through. Yeah, you'll know who wrote that. Yeah, <laughs> trademark it here and now. Hey, um, mate, where can people follow you online if they want to keep up with the journey? Yeah, cool. Um, I suppose probably the the best one would be on Instagram. So, yeah, just Instagram.com. Um, we'll search for Dave Ridley. And and then on my website as well, periodically I post something up, which is just davefridley.com. And your um, needs to mention, your Instagram and your blog are both fantastic. Like I highly recommend people get over there, <laughs> like the photography and the drone work on Instagrams. Yeah, pretty amazing. Obviously, that's a bit of a passion for you as well. Yeah, um, definitely is. Eh? Like, oh, I just love my toys. So, um, yeah, like did you ever, like can you remember getting a remote control car as a kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, you know when you first put, like, set off that remote control car and that feeling you get? Like, that's what you get when you start, you fly a drone for the first time. It's, yeah, like, right. all these, like, childhood, um, like, thrills just come back. So, yeah, it's, it's awesome, man. Like, definitely, definitely get one. Yeah, no, and definitely, people, check out his uh, Instagram and website, his uh, blogs there as well. It's, uh, yeah, awesome stuff and entertaining reading and it's written well and, yeah, as I said, the photography, oh, the photography. Yeah, no, I um, yeah, I just came across it all today when I was doing some bit of research, and it was a bit of <laughs> bit of a rabbit hole. Half an hour later, I was still kind of clicking on stuff and going <laughs> oh, through really? photos. Okay. Yeah, no, it was very oh, entertaining. Shit. So if you've got to spare oh, half gosh. an hour, listeners, check that out. Beautiful, Dave. Thanks for your time, mate. Thanks, mate. Really appreciate it. I might um, awesome. I'll see you around the uh, tracks. I reckon in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I hope and, so. um, yeah you won't be running the ten k on uh, the weekend, though, will you? Nah, I yeah. won't be won't be running. But I um I hear you might be doing the the run in a couple of weeks time. Um, I was actually listening to the podcast. I'm running home from work tonight, so I might um I might enter the run Melbourne. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, we'll see what happens. See how the yep. body's feeling. Yeah, I'll be see down there. there. So yeah, no, it'd be good. I think he'll use it as a bit of a session and a bit of a hard hit out. But um yeah, no, it should be Julian Spencer's kind of taking over my coaching on that that latest podcast. <laughs> so uh yeah, no, yeah. It should be all good. Right, yeah. mate. Thanks again for your time tonight. Cool, appreciate it. Thank Cheers, you. Dave. Bye. There you go. What did you think? Hopefully you got some kind of value out of that episode. As I said at the start, one of those guys that... You may not, well, I definitely didn't have a relationship with beforehand, but I could easily uh, just start asking questions and having conversations, and all of a sudden an hour has gone past and a good conversation has been had. So I hope you got some kind of value out of that and enjoyed it. If you were running along listening to it or 
driving to work or whatever it is. Um, yeah, I hope it entertained you in some way or another. Thanks for tuning in again. I'll be back next week with a Road to Berlin with the Boys episode and um, another guest next week as well. Cheers for tuning in. Until next time, bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.